This is the Teaching Network podcast. We're gathering student teachers to think, speak, and live boldly for Jesus Christ in education. We love to talk about all things classroom, staff room, lecture theatre, and life. Welcome to the conversation. Hello. You've made it to another episode of the Teaching Network podcast by UCCF. My name's Katie Bojang and I run the Teaching Network and today I'll be joined by Andrew who is a head of sixth form and RE teacher who'll be sharing what it means to be able to share Jesus in the classroom when he gets the opportunity through his subject teaching. It's great thinking this through for both RE teachers in secondary but also those who are doing a primary discipline as they'll get the opportunity to speak about Jesus regularly but not just them. We all have the opportunity to encourage children to think through what it means to have a faith and to not just trust what we're told is always true without questioning. So listen in for that. I'm also joined by Michael, who is the head of the Theology Network, another of the leadership networks for UCCF. And he brings along a student uh, who works with him called Emily, who is studying theology and is thinking about teaching. So listen in, enjoy and see you after the jingle. Andrew, thanks so much for joining us today. Uh, it's great to have you um, join us in the middle of your busy school day. Um, you're an RS teacher and head of year 13, um, so really great to have someone actually in the job right now doing it and about to go back to doing it. Um, but what's your background and how did you make it into RS teaching? Well, thanks for having me, Katie. Um, yeah, I've, I've been teaching now religious studies for, I think, 16 years. Uh, which feels like quite a long time, and I've been in the same school for that time as well. Wow. Um, in terms of my background, I was churched pretty much from the word go, and by the time I was in my teenage years, I, I'd been involved by my church in a fair amount of youth work, and that, I think, sowed seeds that later obviously bore fruit in my vocational choices. Mm. Um, after I'd done... Well, after I finished sixth form, I, I chose to do a degree in theology. So I, I went to do a degree in theology because I just had lots of questions about my faith. And I wanted those questions answered by people outside of my own church who didn't have a horse in the race, you mm. know, who I, I thought they could give me unbiased answers. And, and I, like I knew that there was a danger of being biased and away from Christian faith. So I... I chose my university quite carefully. I, I went to I went to Durham University, which was really great um, for theology at, at that time. I think it still is. And then I trained for RS, um, doing a specifically RS BGCE, and I got a job to start the following September. Um, but that that whole thing of wanting to be able to educate young people about religion in quite a truthful and unbiased way. Mm. but still wanting to help them to, you know, be able to discover spiritually. That's been quite an ongoing concern for me. Mm. That's helpful to hear. I think um, for secondary teachers, I suppose a lot of Christian teachers will want to help their kids, their students grow up in the best way possible. Mm. Um, You don't often get that kind of straight in ability to challenge them spiritually in what they're thinking Mm. there. Um, Mm. that's quite exciting Uh, many of our students will be listening to this um, episode and having studied a non-teaching undergrad so they're likely to have studied theology or something similar um, Mm. and are now thinking about is teaching for me is this journey of of helping kids do this but also in a school and also doing the teaching load is that for me Um, 
what are your big tips for what they should be thinking about if they're considering teaching when they graduate? It's <laughs> a good question. I think think probably while I was doing my degree, I'd sort of wonder whether God might put some other vocation on my heart. Mm. And I, I, I did a theology degree. Maybe I thought I'll go into the ministry, but that never really appealed to me. Mm. Um, so teaching then seemed to be a next thing to try. And it did like it did make sense. And I, I guess in terms of tips, one one thing that I was asked to consider when I started my teaching courses was do you enjoy teaching your subject or do you enjoy teaching children hmm. um and like that's a it's a false dichotomy <laughs> it's possible to do both um but i think thinking about it in that way was really helpful it's definitely the case that the best teachers are not always high-flying academics but students can also spot someone who doesn't know their stuff and, mm. and that you, you don't want that to cost you in your relationships mm. with with them um so mm-hmm. it's worth thinking you know where are your strengths you, you know do you feel like you're the kind of person that wants to teach your subject or wants to teach children and try and think about how you might consider the other aspect of that how would that work if you start to factor that in mm, that's really helpful it teaching is a many faceted skill job isn't it mm-hmm. there's, there's many different parts to it and uh, all teachers would say they've got stronger skills and, and less strong skills yeah. than they're working on um and it's okay to start loving your subjects not quite knowing how to communicate with with young people or with children mm-hmm. um are there any aspects of teaching the teaching job that you didn't expect when you began because it's, it's hard to know from the undergraduate side of things what it's going to be like to step into a school to step in front of a class to hold the pen in your hand and to write your name on the board um are there any aspects mm-hmm. you didn't expect I've got quite good at spinning lots of plates mm. and making use of every minute in the day. That's not something I thought, like I, I thought, I guess, that I would remain basically the same person mm. and other people would form themselves around me. <laughs> like, you know, students <laughs> and colleagues would just end up doing the things that I needed them to do to make me feel comfortable. Mm. Um, you think, gosh, in hindsight, that's not very, it doesn't reflect very well on me, but it's also quite naive. Um, but the good flip side of that was actually, yeah, you get better at this. Like you, your capacity just expands. You, you learn your job, you learn what the priorities are, hopefully. Um, and you have to get good at making use of each minute in the day. And so you do get good at making use of each minute in, in the day. I, I mean, I, th- I think mm. teaching is rightly seen as a job that gives you long holidays, mm. but it's also a job that requires 100% of your concentration all the time you're in the workplace. Yeah. Um, I, th- I think of it as, I mean, if, if you teach five period days like we do in, in my school, you're essentially acting for five hours in a day. Mm. Um, that's a lot of performance. Because, um, of course, you know, and it's not just acting in the sense of you pretending to be someone else, but it is in the sense that you have to be that teacher for mm. the students. They, they rely on you doing that. And, you know, you have to be concentrated on that. You have to be concentrating on each student because they can behave in all sorts of unexpected ways. So that I mean, that, I guess that would be one thing I didn't expect. Maybe I should have done, Katie. Maybe I should, have, but, but that's one thing that I didn't expect. I think um, a, a good thing that I've found that I'd not expected was to be able to have such good relationships with students. Um, and I wonder whether that's partly a byproduct of the fact that my, my school has a sixth form, so and I, I mainly work in the sixth form, and so yeah. that bit older, more thoughtful, and more adult. Um, and I think also at my school, we've it's got a sufficiently Christian ethos 
to allow things like prayer meetings. And so mm. myself and some other staff would be able to sit and pray with students, for students and for their school. And that's a real privilege, you know. Mm. But I, and I don't know how much of that's typical because, you know, lots of people have different experiences of teaching. But I, th I think that, you know, I guess that both of those things really case. Like the, the Holy Spirit uses the job to form my character. So I'm, I'm probably less lazy than I was at the start because I'm spinning all these plates. <laughs> but but I think as well, just shows you some great progress with with students. Another thing I think I didn't expect, um, and this may be quite a pill to swallow for people who are thinking about teaching coming out of university, but there is a massive benefit to becoming part of the furniture at a school. Mm. Um, like I said, I've, I've been teaching at the same school for over 15 years. And probably when I started teaching, I thought that most of the engagement I achieved in the classroom would be down to flooding the room with my own charisma, like just the you know, sheer personality, mm. or being able to use really attention-grabbing resources that they'd never seen before, and that would establish my reputation. Mm. Um, but I think that's often not the way that it that it works. And Aristotle, the philosopher Aristotle, talks about three pillars of rhetoric, so persuasive speech being ethos, logos, and pathos. And I think my focus at the start of teaching was to use as much pathos as possible. So, mm. you know, make it really engaging, really engage people's emotions, students' emotions. And that, of course, is because, you know, at the start of teaching, you, that's all you have access to. You, you haven't established a personal or institutional ethos. Mm. And actually, a lot of your, your knowledge, the, the logos that Aristotle talks about, you don't know it as, as, as well. But, but those things are really important. So ethos, that is the, the creation of the right environment and establishing over years a consistent reputation for stability and trustworthiness. That's incredibly valuable for, yeah. for, for teaching and, and having an accurate knowledge and understanding of your subject and, and being able to go into depth with it. I mean, I, th I think you can have that to a degree when you start out. Mm. But what you don't have is a facility to hop across topics and understand what the students' questions are behind their questions yeah. um, and still keep the main focus of the lesson, right? You, like you get that through experience. So, I mean, I guess my, my message there is, is just, you know, I, I didn't expect that I would have, like I would gain the ethos and the logos stuff mm. as well as I, but you only get it through patience. Like you've got to stay around at a place, mm. I think, to establish that. Mm. Um, yeah, well, I think that's helpful to recognise that um, as an undergrad, you've, you've only had chance to be somewhere for three, four, maybe a little bit longer years um, yeah. at uni. And each year is a reset with different tutors and different ways mm -hmm. of working and often different houses and different housemates as well. So mm -hmm. um, to work into your first job, um, obviously after training, if you kind of go through PGC or schools direct route, yeah. um, that, at that point, you're looking at a much longer term game. Um, even yes. just thinking through the colleagues that you keep for the next two or three years yeah. and stay in a job even for that long. Um, really helpful to pick out for those who haven't stepped inside a classroom since they were a student themselves, just to yes. start thinking about what the potentials are yeah. um, in this field. Are there any aspects that were unexpected frustrations, anything that's kind of more difficult um, that you've had to get your head around, I suppose, especially teaching RS, um, but also just generally being a teacher in school? Um, yeah, I mean, I, th I think, 
in any workplace, the biggest frustrations always involve the incompetence of other mm-hmm. people. And, and in, I mean, in a school, your students are by definition incompetent. Like the, the point of them being there is to raise their competence. Mm-hmm. Um, but what's particularly frustrating is when students double down on that. Um, you know, they have their own self-inflicted obstacles to, to learning. So that's a, it's a frustration. I, I think for a reflective Christian teacher, it's also an opportunity to say, okay, well, how, how do I connect with them? How do I make sure that I don't write those students off? Mm. How do, and particularly if they're difficult as well or they're rude, mm. how do I ensure that I'm approaching them in a, in a godly way? Remembering what, you know, what Jesus says about little children coming to him and not, not turning them away. Um, so that that's a frustration. I've, I've, you can kind of understand that frustration, you know, that's what kids are like. One other thing, probably from more of a pastoral point of view, uh, Katie, would, would be that you, like I often feel sad, it's less a frustration of teaching, more like a sadness of teaching, when you get to see the weight of trauma carried by some of your students. Um, and I think in, in the classroom, on the mundane level, that kind of trauma, whether it be because of stuff going on at home like divorce or um, bereavement or questions about identity, even breaking up with boyfriends and girlfriends like mm-hmm. that, that stuff all adds to what we would call in teaching extraneous cognitive loads. Yes. <laughs> it, it distracts their focus from learning and then they achieve less well. But but I think, you know, again, from a Christian point of view and on a spiritual level, it does tear at you to see that suffering mm. and to know that as a teacher, your influence probably doesn't stretch to being able to fix it. Mm. So, you know, mm. you pray, you, you, you're just allowed to pray with that. Mm. That's helpful to hear. And that is something that comes across again and again, as I interview people in teaching um, the prayers mm-hmm. that you can pray. Um, God does answer. God, we don't necessarily know. Mm. We can't always find out because it's not our place to ask, but um, being a Christian in a, in a community anywhere means that we've got access to knowing at least prayer needs isn't it and, yes. and being able to yeah. take those things to god um and trusting that he does things with them actually and mm. it might just be that he appoints a time when we smile at that kid and that kid then feels like the day is worth carrying on it, it might be that small or it might be yes. a gospel opportunity down the line um we yeah. don't know it might be a, a fix to their family life that they needed yeah. um, we, we don't know what will happen but it's good to it's good to remember that god can um Absolutely. those are really helpful reflections on on kind of frustrations and interesting that you you picked out that how we set up our relationship with our classes um something mm-hmm. you won't know andrew but i've uh, in one of our previous podcasts we've got um a guy called nigel mccoy talking about how to set up an ethos so if that's piqued your interest yeah. go back and have a listen yeah <laughs> It's quite a shift going from a theology undergrad to standing in a classroom and communicating it. Um, but I'm sure there are plenty of things where you think, actually, that's a real opportunity. Uh, so can you just outline a few of the opportunities for Christians going into RS teaching? There's so many. Mm. I mean, you you have to remember, you've this is access to the moldable minds of hundreds of children, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, and... I, I like I, I see a lot of the work of Christian teaching as helping children unlearn untruths that mm. they've previously learned about the world to teach them tools to spot the truth and in the process of that bring the good news of the gospel to them 
And so there's lots of phases to that, you know, and, mm. and a lot of it, a lot of the spade work is questioning their worldviews in gentle ways so that they can then be more open to the truth of the good news of Jesus Christ. Mm. Um, and I, th I think doing that in a classroom is not the same thing as preaching it in a church or being in a student mission event. Um, it's, you know, it's its own skill, isn't it? I don't know. I mean, I, you know, you just think, is there another job other than teaching where you have such access to so many people at a crucial stage in their intellectual and spiritual development? I, mm. I, I, I can't think. I probably would have gone into it if I could mm. think of one. Yeah. Um, but I, but I, I can't. Oh, and what an opportunity to be at that point in someone's life where you say, look, you don't have to carry on in what you've decided is true or what you've been told is true, you are free yeah. to think and to be in a subject where that's, that is your subject matter. Actually, yes. it's not just on the side of your maths lesson or on the, on the edge of literacy. It's, yeah. it's actually the stuff of what you're teaching. Great. Well, thanks so much for your time. And to hear from an actual teacher who's going to go back into the rest of his school and carry yeah, on his day. Yeah, going to go day. back into teaching this afternoon, yeah. Wonderful. What are you teaching this afternoon, Andrew? Um, I'm actually giving feedback to a year 12 class on some essays they've done for me on Kantian and Thomist ethics. Wow. So that's my Friday afternoon. That's their Friday afternoon, more mm. to the point. So have some sympathy <laughs> with them. Friday afternoons are never kind, are they? I don't think anyone's ever no, they've enjoyed no. it at that point. But it sounds interesting and I'm sure it'll be good for them. So thanks so much. Bye bye. Emily, where are you and what do you study? Um, I'm currently in Cardiff and I'm studying religion and theology. See ya. <laughs> Fab, thank you very much. And Michael, where are you and what did you study? I am in Nottingham currently, where I also studied and I studied biblical studies and theology. Oh, fun. So we're ga gathered here today um, with two theology people and a teaching person to talk about the potential of doing something like religious studies or religious education in schools. Having just heard that interview from Andrew, which was really helpful, I thought, um, loads of interesting points from someone who's got a few years of experience in, in school. Emily, uh, what do you find interesting for where you are at the moment? I found that... Um... So really, really interesting. He was talking about you can't fix all your students' problems. Mm. Um, and I am a person who likes to fix everyone's problems. Um, I love um, helping people and listening to people. And so for me, outside the classroom, knowing you can't, you can't, and sometimes you, you shouldn't fix your students' problems is something that I need to remember. Mm, really helpful it's quite different from going from being a uni student being a friend being like all the things that you are as a uni student even if you're a youth leader or you do children's work on a Sunday morning to being a professional teacher isn't it where that's that's a whole new set of relationships there and therefore different boundaries and different things to be thinking about Michael what did you find interesting about what he said yeah I think like the first thing that struck me just about the whole interview was um for me it just like flipped the script on how I commonly think of teaching and maybe a bias I have against teaching as an option uh, for going out of uh, coming out of theology. Um, I think often students uh, can see it as a bit of a fallback option. And I, I certainly did as a student. Um, mm. Like if, if you don't want to go into ministry as a theology grad, uh, or you don't particularly have a passion for uh, academia and continuing to study, then um, 
teaching's kind of the last option to keep using a degree. Otherwise, you just go into like some kind of generic corporate job. But the way that he talked, he was just so passionate about the the value of teaching and the opportunities that you have to um, shape students and um, point them in a in a particular spiritual direction help them on their on their journey to jesus and, and the ministry opportunity that that is and the way that he just saw teaching as this very intentional vocation for him and a, and a sort of sense of calling and so uh it certainly changed my perspective on it and um you know even as a sort of late grad um sort of raised the possibility again of you know would teaching be a valuable vocation to go into something i could be called to in the future um, and certainly would be a vocation that I'd be encouraging theology students to consider seriously, not just as a fallback option, but as a like really good thing to be thinking about going into. Mm, thank you. Yeah, it's it's funny, isn't it? As um, if you're in your second or third year of uni and you're not quite sure what you're going to go into uh, often, it's in the list that you'll mention teaching alongside maybe some other ideas you've had that week as to what you might do for a career. Um because we can all see the application and the good in teaching people stuff about the world. It's good stuff to do, regardless of whether you're wanting to go to an all-rounder job and be a primary teacher, or if you're wanting to specialise into maths and teach A-levels, whatever it is, if you if you love your subject, it makes sense to do something that is obviously a good career. Emily, what made you decide to look into teaching? So I grew up um, in a family of teachers and doctors, um, but uh we watch casualty every saturday night and every time we watch it uh half the time i'm not looking at the tv screen because um i can't deal with the injuries and the blood and i have complete respect for people who can (laughs) so um i thought oh okay maybe teaching but i've known i want to be a teacher from a really young age i've helped at kids club and sunday morning since i was 11 and i i I get so much joy from it so i've known i wanted to do it for a long time Mm, yeah um but great to hear that you wanted to go into it glad that you're not going into a medical profession because it doesn't sound like you'd be okay there now and you made a load of different points loads of really interesting things you said one thing i was saying um i think is particularly stood out to me is where he was talking about often our job if we're thinking about worldviews with students is to um teach students to unlearn the truth that have been told which aren't actually true and to give them tools where they can find the truth for themselves um, I thought it was a really helpful way of just encapsulating what it means to kind of share the gospel in schools when you can't share the gospel in schools um, you obviously can when you're invited but in your general day-to-day when you're not being invited to share it what can you do to help students form that worldview and that goes for even down to primary school students help them to see the world as it as it truly is beyond that though you guys have also had a few other thoughts i believe uh, michael were you talking about something to do with teaching being a form of discipleship yeah i thought it was interesting he kind of had both sides of that so like what you were saying the opportunities to disciple um kids and and point them to jesus even in subtle ways and and maybe more directly in in an rs lesson sort of context but but i thought it was also interesting how he mentioned that for him, teaching has been a significant factor in his own discipleship that, um, you know, as theology students, we we kind of want our theological study to shape us into Christ-likeness. And as we sort of gaze on him in our study, we become more like him. But he was saying like in teaching, in that kind of work context, he's been shaped by like the spirits use that um, 
the work and the, the sort of challenges of work and particularly the challenges of teaching to shape him in a way that study never did and no amount of study would uh, shape you um, just the way he's been challenged by juggling things and that he's found himself year on year sort of growing more like Christ and I thought it was just like really interesting to hear that and and wonderful that he's experienced that. Yeah I can certainly attest to the fact that as a teacher you never stop growing. I don't think you do in any conscious work life if you're being conscious about what you're doing and conscientious about making sure you improve I don't think you you ever stop but in teaching because it's all about the craft of teaching and it's all about working with people as well you're constantly thinking how do I hone this craft with these people and that that set of questions together means that you're often thinking about how do I become a teacher who's more like Jesus and how do I um kind of shave off things that I do which aren't helpful or aren't kind or aren't praiseworthy and build in things which which will be and which will grow in time um and yet you're right it's while you are in the job of teaching other people actually you end up getting taught yourself a lot and as you cry out to god for help on things you don't know how to do or as you praise him for things that have gone well he also grows you through those moments too um emily how about you uh, was there a particular point you picked up on yeah in the interview um andrew talked about Staying in the school really helps build your relationships, not with not just with uh, your students, but your staff as well. And I think for me, I was going to do my PGC in one school, maybe stay there for another year and then move on. But actually, there's a benefit in staying in the school and there's a benefit to keeping that place and building those relationships. And I think that's really important. Um, that's interesting to think through from the perspective of being somebody who's done GCSEs, A-levels, degree, and they've all been a short amount of years with an end point, uh, and normally a nice certificate at the end, which says well done, um, to think about going into something where you might want to give 10 years, 15 years, that's a big shift in how you think about work life, where you stay. I know for many graduates, it's it's quite daunting thinking about this is the rest of my life. That's the kind of decision it feels like you're making. And so to think about those things, but also to see the benefits in that, I think it's really helpful for Andrew to have brought out. Um, I didn't do that. I stayed in each school I was in for a few years and then moved on. Um, but actually, I kind of wish I'd done what he'd done. It sounds like he's um, really reaped the benefits of that. Moving on then, none of us are actually in teaching at the moment. Um, and yet we've all found this interview quite useful. So uh, what did you guys think you might take away for now to think about, to go on, perhaps even to change in your lives? So Andrew is saying that um, he's constantly praying for his students, especially when there's problems he cannot fix uh, outside the classroom. And I think that's something I'm going to take with me. Um, I am not someone who prays every day um, and I should be and I want to be. So if I'm to be constantly praying for students when I'm in my job, um, I have to get into the habit of praying every day. And that's not only going to benefit the students um but also benefit me mm. so that's something i'm going to take away with me yeah that's really helpful it is definitely true that the more prayer equals the more joy in whatever you're doing mm. including if you pray for your um classmates if you pray for your hallmates if you pray for housemates if you pray for family um if you pray for yourself if you pray in every situation i know the days when i do it there's more joy and there's more things to praise God for at the end because I've constantly had that conversation with him. The days when I don't, and there are also some when I don't, um, I get to the end, I'm like, what's gone on today, God? And it's often because my head isn't in the right place, but I've not seen his hand at work. So yeah, great point. Uh, Michael, 
Did you have a final point, things you're thinking about now? Yeah, he said um, a mental figure had asked him, do you want to teach your subject or do you want to teach kids? Mm. Um, and I just find that that question really interesting. Uh, and a lot of us as theology students and theology grads had a um, either a strong like passion for our subject um, or, or many, many theology students actually have a passion for people. And mm. um, theology is kind of a way of uh, expressing that passion. But the, the real passion is not with the subject. And, and maybe they didn't don't actually get on with their subject that well. Um, but actually for any sort of useful application of theology, um, particularly once you've graduated, continuing to use your theology degree and knowledge well involves both desires, like a, a love for the subject, but also a love for the people that you might be um, teaching or just bringing some of that specialist knowledge uh, to, particularly in like a church or um you know, even a workplace context, but bringing that knowledge. Um, and for me, my, my passion was definitely more on the subject side than the people side and continues to be. And, um, and so I think just taking away from that, um, I'll be thinking about like, how can I actually uh, stoke that passion for people and the desire to not just show off some theological knowledge that I've gained recently, but actually serve people with, with a kind of knowledge that not everyone's been able to have the time to to gain or think through and um i think it's really important for us to sort of see how we can blend and nurture both both passions yeah it's good to think this through isn't it it's not just in teaching where people and a passion for what you're doing collide that's most jobs there's very few jobs where it's one or the other and so to be thinking through how do we how do we follow through with what God's calling us to in all the areas he's calling us to? That's really helpful. Great. Well, thanks so much for joining us, Emily and Michael. It's been interesting. It's been fun. It's been fascinating. And uh, I hope if you've been listening and you're a Theology Network student um, that you are now thinking a little bit more about theology teaching. That will be wonderful. Switch over to the Teaching Network when you find it. And if you're not a Theology Network student yet, or if you're not a Teaching Network student, or if you're not even a student, that's okay. You can check us out on our websites at theologynetwork.uk and teachingnetwork.uk. But for now, it's bye from Emily and Michael. Bye. (laughs) And bye from me, like University Challenge. Goodbye. Well, I hope you enjoyed that as much as I did. It's great to be encouraged as to what Jesus is doing in schools right now as Andrew heads back into the classroom and as Michael thinks about theology and as Emily heads back into the lecture theatre and as I sit here at my desk and talk to you. Now, if you would like to meet up with other students or teachers who are in teaching in your city, then this might be just for you. In areas in London, in Nottingham, Hull, Edinburgh, Stirling, Sheffield, Liverpool, Birmingham and Cheltenham, there are teachers working out if they can meet up, pray, encourage each other and use some of our resources as they go into and begin teaching. If you think that'd be something that you'd like to get involved with, email us at teaching at uccf.org.uk. I'll pick it up and I'll get in touch. And if you don't hear your city but you'd love to start something like that and please do get in touch we want to see teachers and students able to meet together and discuss the meaty things of what it means to be a christian teacher all over the uk and even the world great see you next time bye
Thanks for listening to this podcast from UCCF's Teaching Network. If you want to hear more, follow us on Instagram at UCCF Teaching Network. Head to our website, teachingnetwork.uk, or send us an email at teaching at uccf.org.uk. And don't forget to share this podcast with your teaching friends. Bye.